This is Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Each month, we interview experts in the field, discuss the data, and explore all facets of the housing market. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or a seasoned real estate professional, you will benefit from our insightful conversations and gain property intelligence as we discover more about the key issues shaping our industry. Now here's our host, Jason Mercer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. With the Bank of Canada raising interest rates this year at the fastest pace since 1998, mortgage concerns have become even more intense. In a continued campaign to address high inflation, the Bank of Canada recently raised its benchmark interest rate by another 50 basis points to 3.75%. The consensus view is that there's at least one more rate hike in the offing this year. While the Bank of Canada's interest rate hikes impact the entire country, they'll undoubtedly have a unique impact on the GTA and its already complex housing market. For a deeper understanding of what this means for current and future mortgage holders, we are joined today by Rob McLister, an interest rate analyst and mortgage rate planner. He's also the Global Mail's mortgage columnist, as well as the editor of MortgageLogic.News, the private bulletin that tracks mortgage rates, financing tactics, and new lending products. Welcome back to the podcast, Rob. It's great to have you on again. Hey, thanks for having me. Great. And I guess the first thing I want to talk about is, is the Bank of Canada's main tool, the target for the overnight lending rate. And over time, how does the Bank of Canada decide to raise or lower this policy rate and, and maybe speak to this, especially through the lens of what we've seen unfold since March 2022? Yeah, well, you know, uh, hello, everyone out there in uh, real estate land, by the way. Um, it is uh, very interesting times here. Um, obviously, inflation uh, has been out of control. Bank Canada wants to get it back to it's 2% target. Uh, they're watching a lot of things to figure out how to uh, calibrate uh, their rate hikes. And so some of the things they're watching, some of the most important things uh, are monthly core inflation. So they want to see, uh, particularly uh, with CPI trim and CPI medium, you know, they have these three uh, measures of core inflation. Um, and those are the two most important ones. They got another one, CPI common, uh, which is complete garbage. It's it's proven very ineffective uh, to kind of uh, guide the path of monetary policy. But CPI trim and CPI medium, they want to see uh, those increases come down significantly back to, you know, a two or three percent annual pace. Um, they're also looking at three-month uh, annualized core inflation. Uh, this is a, a, an interesting factor. So they, they're putting a lot of weight in this three-month annualized core reading, uh, but you can't get it anywhere. It's crazy. It drives me nuts. You can't, uh, you can't get it off the Bank of Canada website. You got to get it from you know, economists that calculate it. And uh, it's, it's hard to come by, but they're watching it. Um, very closely uh, to see, you know, the inflection points in inflation. Um, it's a good measure of that. And uh, wage pressure, another big factor. Uh, we saw a 0.9% month-over-month jump in average earnings in October. That's insane. Uh, Macklem wants to see, you know, unemployment rise. He wants to see wage pressures come down because they're, you know, a huge factor in uh, CPI. Uh, service inflation, we've seen goods inflation improve. That's good, good news. Uh, service inflation, not so much, go in the wrong direction um, and, in, you know, accelerating. And so we need to see that ease up. A um, couple other things, uh, inflation expectations are always critical um, because they uh, are self-fulfilling many times. So the last 
uh, Bank of Canada uh, outlook on consumer uh, and business inflation expectations wasn't so good. Consumers looking for 5% inflation two years from now. Uh, you know, the Bank of Canada is talking about getting back to target in 2024. So we don't like to hear that, um, you know, and that 5% inflation outlook, that'll change, of course. Um, but, you know, that's about the same as uh, average core inflation today. So that's a worry. Uh, and then lastly is the market pricing. So, you know, the Bank of Canada has proven with its uh, forecast fallibility that it's no oracle by any sense. And so it watches the market. And, you know, like all of us do, it's the market's pretty much the best um, tool to take all of the information out there and uh, distill it and come out with uh, market outlooks. And yesterday, we saw the five-year yield drop the most this century minus 29 basis points, unbelievable move, uh, a major uh, indicator that uh, market sentiment on inflation is changing. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. I mean, just sort of looking at the news yesterday, and, and there's a better than expected report um, for inflation out of the, the United States, which obviously saw a real uh, spike in, in, in equity market valuations. But on the on the flip side of that, um, you're seeing bond yields go down. And I guess, you know, thinking about the Bank of Canada's uh, survey in terms of inflation expectations is, I guess, it's events like this that kind of turn the tide to a certain degree. And, you know, uh, if we were to do the uh, uh, the same type of survey or polling today versus say a week ago, having seen this announcement of the United States, I bet you'd see a, a shift in those expectations already. Yeah, hopefully the consumers are reading the newspapers. <laughs> Just as a bit of a follow up, like thinking about sort of the, the pace of interest rate hikes we've seen so far this year um, since March. And, and you know, we when we talk interest rates, we often sort of see people hearkening back to the early 1990s or, or early 1980s. Maybe you can kind of, um, you know, provide a little bit of context, you know, what we're seeing today versus, you know, what we saw in, in, in past interest rate cycles. And, you know, did it have a, 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 as impact as, as quick uh, uh, during that period of time versus what we're seeing right now? Like certainly in the housing market, it, it, it had a pretty immediate impact here in the GTA and in many markets across the country. But what's your take, you know, in, in the current state of affairs versus what we've seen in, in past cycles? Yeah, well, prime rate up 350 basis points since March 1st. Uh, on an absolute basis, uh, you know, that's the fastest increase in prime rate since 1992. Uh, and you see that reported a lot of places in the news. Uh, much more interesting to me is the proportionate increase. So prime on a proportionate basis has soared 143% in eight months. We have never, ever, ever seen anything like that, at least not in my lifetime. Um, you know, and I'm going back uh, into the 70s. So um, what it means is that the rate shock has been extreme. You know, this on a relative basis, because you got to remember, we're a lot more leveraged today than we used to be. You know, you talk to different economists and we, you know, they, they guesstimate we could be three times more leveraged as an economy uh, versus 1980. For example, uh, when we saw that, you know, the, the last uh, massive rate spike. So um, this is a huge shock uh, for a lot of people. And, you know, you, you recall those surveys uh, that talk about how, uh, you know, the majority of Canadians are, you know, about $200 away from uh, insolvency. Um, well, fortunately, uh, more of those are renters than owners, but the fact is there's a lot of owners uh, in a, a really tough spot right now. And when you see rates, uh, go up 300 to 350 basis points, uh, and you're already living close to the edge, 
it's an extreme shock and that worries me um you know it, it also means that you know inflation better come down quick uh, because right. once the consumer runs out of credit and liquidity then we got problems and we got defaults um you know you talk to economists and no one thinks we're going to get back to the the early 80s uh record of over one percent uh prime mortgage arrears um, I have no idea. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna guess. I don't think we're gonna get there either. But um, the fact is, we don't know how this plays out yet because we have never seen a relative rate shock like this. Um, what I can say is that it's good uh, that the Bank of Canada isn't drawing out the rate cycle and it's front-loading rates, uh, front-loading rate hikes. That is, um, you know, you want to get that inflation going in the right direction as soon as possible. Yeah, and I, I guess to that degree, like sort of thinking about, um, you know, acting quickly and aggressively, while at the same time, you know, thinking about those households that are on the margin of affordability and more so since the, the spring, uh, what, what's your take or, or gut on, on you know, how much further the, the, the bank's going to go in terms of, you know, rate hikes, both in terms of magnitude of, say, you know, their next move and also, you know, is, is there sort of a, a hold on the horizon in terms of uh, making one more move, let's say, and then, you know, taking a wait and see attitude yeah well you know I, I usually defer to the market outlook on uh rates because i'm definitely no smarter than the market sure. i would say there's almost no one smarter than the market in terms of kind of uh, distilling all of the the information you need to create a rate outlook so right now yesterday interestingly we saw um the terminal rate expectation based on implied rates in the bond market drop 25 basis points so now uh you know the market's thinking the bank can is going to top out at 4.25 percent uh, on its overnight rate, uh, and then you add, you know, 220 basis points to that, and you get a, a prime rate of about 6.45. Um, and so, you know, hopefully that is the case. Hopefully that's where we top out. Uh, hopefully, you know, that's enough to get inflation back down. I'm not so sure. Uh, historically, you got to go back and you, you look at past uh, inflation extremes, and you, generally you want to see um, you know, the overnight rate above core inflation. So, you know, we need the overnight rate to, to rise more than 4.25% or we need core inflation to drop uh, significantly more in the not too distant future. Um, interestingly, uh, the market is talking about or, or pricing in rather a rate cut now by September. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, it was like first right. quarter, uh, you know, 2024. So that shows you how much market expectations have changed. Um, you know, lots of inflation drivers out there. We could talk about them endlessly. A big one, supply disruptions. We saw some positive news uh, in the U.S. inflation report yesterday on that. Supply um, is, uh, the crunch is easing a bit. That's going to continue to ease, I think, as the, you know, global economy slows. That's a good thing for inflation. Uh, lots of wild cards out there, though, for inflation and mortgage rates. Uh, take oil, for example. I don't think anyone can tell you where it's going. Um, you know, everyone thinks that with these electric cars that people aren't going to, you know, buy as much gas and oil is going to, uh, you know, you know, drop in value. But the fact is that uh, there's many, many more dynamics out there than that, uh, you know, especially supply uh, from the major oil producers. Uh, and, you know, that supply can be manipulated. Uh, we got, uh, you know, some concerns in Europe with uh, the Ukraine situation uh, coming up. We got, you know, refilling the strategic oil reserve in the U.S. A lot of things that are going to support oil prices. So who knows? Oil is such a critical factor in, in inflation. Um, so let's watch. Let's see where it goes. Let's hope it doesn't go over $100 a barrel because that could be uh, that could keep, uh, you know, the inflation monster with us longer. Um, 
And lastly, I would talk about credit defaults and credit spreads. So, you know, credit spreads are a big factor in mortgage rates that a lot of people don't think about. So, you know, the 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 fact that the market thinks there's risk uh, next year in 2023 um, with, you know, mortgage defaults going up, um, that factors into mortgage pricing. It filters through because it raises lenders' cost of funds. And so we've seen a big increase in... Um, uh, you know, how much the market demands of lenders like uh, RBC and, and TD, for example, take any of your big, big banks, how much it demands from them for five-year money versus uh, the, you know, risk-free quote-unquote uh, Canada five-year yield. And that spread has been increasing significantly and uh, that translates into uh, higher mortgage rates. Yeah, and I think that's a <clears throat> that's a nice segue um, into into the next question I want to ask, and and that's sort of drilling down from sort of the, the 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 policy basis of what we've gone through over the last couple months to you know how that's you know specifically impacted the the mortgage market, and so um, buyers and and like home buyers and existing homeowners they aren't sort of impacted by this sort of uniformly uh, across the board, and so I guess maybe take us through how different mortgage products have behaved behaved over the past um, you know few months. Like you mentioned, you know in, increased uh, um, accounting for for risk um, in some mortgage products, but you know have have things unfolded differently in terms of you know what um, the average homeowner or home buyer is being offered now versus say six months ago, just in terms of, you know, how these products are being positioned in the marketplace. Oh, yeah, uh, in a big way. So floating rates up uh, 350 basis points, because um, they follow prime rate, um, you know, variables, by the time this rate hike cycle is over, uh, the majority of variables uh, will probably have hit their trigger rate and seen their payment increased. And so trigger rate is just the rate where you're not paying all of your interest. Okay, right. the, you know, banks like to get all of their interest every month from you. Um, so if you're not paying all your interest, they're going to, generally speaking, they're going to raise your uh, uh, mortgage payment. And there's a couple exceptions to that. Um, but generally speaking, uh, that is a factor right now. And people who thought their variable rate payments would be fixed are uh, getting an unpleasant surprise. Uh, many times, you know, we're talking a few hundred bucks, but I've seen them over a thousand bucks uh, in terms of increases in payments. It depends on the obviously the mortgage amount, rates, and uh, amortization, other things. Um, on the adjustable rate mortgage side, so adjustable rates are uh, floating rate mortgages where the payment goes up and down uh, with prime rate. Uh, and those payments have gone up about 45% or a little bit more since March 1st. Uh, and that, uh, you know, for the folks in adjustable rate mortgages, that's not pleasant, but at least you're kind of keeping your pace uh, with prime going up and you don't get these massive uh, shocks that some of these uh, variable rate holders are getting when they're, they hit their trigger rate. Um, Short-term fixed rates, uh, take a one year, for example. One years haven't been this popular in a long time. Um, because people think that, you know, the bank can is going to uh, cut rates within a year or two. Um, they're up about 325 basis points this year, uh, give or take. Long-term rates, like five-year fixed, up about 275 basis points. So yeah, I mean, the, the rate impact has affected everyone negatively, some more than others. 
Yeah, it's interesting. And I guess back to the variable versus adjustable. Um, and I take your point, like an adjustable rate, you know, you feel it on a, on a monthly basis as, as interest rates have gone up. Um, but I guess what's not happening is, is your, your, your overall mortgage period isn't extending because if you're, if you're on a variable rate and you haven't hit that sort of reset point um, and, and more and more of your uh, um, payment is going to, to, to interest, then the period that you're going to be paying off that principal is extending at the same time. Is it not? Yeah. And so generally lenders want to see you get back on track with your originally scheduled amortization. So some right. of these folks uh, who haven't been paying their principal as originally planned uh, may get a surprise at renewal. It depends what rates do. Hopefully rates go down a lot and, and you know, these uh, renewal shocks aren't as bad as they could be. Um, but yeah, if they don't, you know, let's say, you know, fast forward to your renewal time in a few years, uh, if rates are still around these levels, no one, no one expects that, but let's say they are, um, then you're going to ha uh, see uh, a significant uh, increase in your payment, uh, unless you refinance. And, it, you know, if you extend your amortization, you can offset these factors. A lot of people, though, that are uh, cash flow crunched might not qualify for uh, a low cost refinance. So uh, a lot of question marks ahead. Sure. And, and I, I guess it's important to make the point, too, that higher borrowing costs don't just impact the housing market. And so while, you know, some interest rate sensitive sectors like housing, you know, have been impacted immediately and, and continue to be as, as the Bank of Canada raises rates, there's a there's a broader, broader trickle down, I guess, through the through the rest of the economy. And, and you kind of touched on that, like Tiff Macklem has been in the news, you know, as, as uh, uh, you know, yesterday, for example, talking about, you know, the impact of the labor market and, and broader economic growth that's actually held up really, really well in the face of, you know, raising uh, uh, interest rates. And so, you know, how do you think things are going to unfold from a broader economic perspective over the next year like you know one thing i have written down here too is is something that probably you know we weren't dealing with and say you know in the 90s or the or the 80s and that's you know the the level of savings that have built up uh for a lot of households during the during the pandemic because they weren't spending a lot of money and so do you think to a certain degree that sort of mitigated things at least in the early round of, of interest rate hikes that people were able to account for that more just because they're dipping into savings that they had that you know that wasn't a scenario that had unfolded in the 90s or the 80s yeah for sure that's a factor i mean you know a lot of the savings are folks that can afford to save uh, a lot of people can't afford to save. And yeah. so, you, you know, it's, you know, averages are very misleading, obviously. Um, so the folks that are in uh, a, you know, a tight spot with their family budget, um, you know, their savings have rapidly depleted. And so, um, you know, I don't think that savings is really going to be a, a, a major savior uh, in 2023 uh, for the folks that uh, are the problem in the problem bucket. And, you know, that could be maybe, you know, one in five borrowers that are that are really in a tough spot with uh, all of these rate hikes. So next year, the economy is obviously going to slow, uh, you know, over 50% chance of recession in many economists. I've seen, yeah, I saw one economist uh, say 100% chance of recession. Well, she's not leaving much room for error there. Um, okay, odds are we're going to get a recession. Let's just make that assumption um, because that's generally what happens when you see uh, the yield curve this inverted and you see these kind of rate hikes in such a short period of time. Um, People think it's going to be a shallow recession, uh, like you touched on unemployment. You know, unemployment is unbelievably low uh, right now, uh, given what's happening all around us. Uh, employment's a lagging indicator, though. We're going to see some pain there uh, next year. Uh, and we better see some pain because that's what uh, Tiff Macklem wants to see. 
And, and it, you know, if, if, you know, we keep unemployment near uh, 5% after the first quarter next year, you know, we got problems. We, we could be seeing that uh, terminal rate uh, go higher than expected. Um, odds are, though, uh, unemployment's going to go up. I don't think that we're going to see that 300 basis point uh, increase in unemployment that we saw in the Great Recession, but it's definitely going to tick higher. You know, what that looks like, I have no idea. Maybe 100, 150 basis points, maybe more. Sure. And I, I guess, you know, just getting back to what you said, sort of following, you know, market expectations, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of commentators commenting on, uh, you know, the probability of recession, but the fact that, you know, you're starting to see priced in a, a rate cut, you know, uh, um, as, as we move into, into 2023, I mean, that's an indicator unto itself. The economy starts to slow to the point where the Bank of Canada actually feels that, you know, there's a need to, to, to bootstrap some sectors of the economy. Like that's what that's speaking to, right? Yeah, you know, the speed of business cycles just boggles my mind now. Um, it, it seems like everyone's looking to the future, pricing out the same projected path for everything. And, and in many cases, it's kind of having the wrong impact. You know, a lot of people are uh, taking actions today that maybe they wouldn't have taken in the past because they think rates are going to come down quick. And that's where you kind of have some risk, right? Because people are pricing that in, they're kind of setting their family budgets and whatnot, on the assumption that, hey, we're in a, rates can't stay this high, people can't afford these kind of rates. Um, but let's say they do. Uh, you know, we saw cases in history, lots of examples you could provide, 1978, uh, good one. Uh, you, know, pe you know, the market thought we had inflation licked back then. Uh, and then we saw, you know, 1,450 basis point increase in rates uh, in 42 months. Things that you don't expect to happen, happen. You got to price it in. You got to you know, kind of manage risk. Um, and so, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah. And so just sort of thinking back, I mean, you, you kind of have your finger on the pulse of the of the mortgage market and what's happening in terms of uh, originations and, and renewals and, and and what have you. So sort of thinking about that and the type of behavior you've seen unfold over the last um, few months. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on the housing market in particular as we move into 2023? Yeah, so I mean, all across Canada, you got different markets, you got different dynamics working. Um, you know, you guys are focused on the the GTA. So, you know, if we're talking about GTA home prices, uh, you know, median prices holding, you know, pretty steady since uh, July. I think that's a good sign. Um, uh, you know, whether it's a bottom, I don't know. Um, but it, it, I'm happy to see that, you know, prices aren't dropping uh, materially further. Um, now, um, what could happen if you know terminal rate uh, goes from four and a quarter right now to five percent? Uh, then all bets are off. Uh, then you know we could see another uh, material leg down, um, and you know we got to see what happens with default rates. And let's you know the default rates arrears are always a lagging indicator. So you know we're going to have to wait a little further into the first half of next year to see uh, you know how many people stop making their mortgage payments um, because uh, you know whether they lost their job or you know they can't afford these high rates or whatever. Um, that's a key factor with with housing. Um, obviously, as you know well, uh, there's a lot of latent demand out there as well. And, uh, you know, with these immigration targets, uh, with sentiment, you know, people, you know, look at headlines like, you know, Canada admitting 500,000 uh, people in 2025. And I think the top end estimate is like 550,000. And they seem to be hitting those top ends um, pretty frequently. Um, we get that kind of uh, household formation. Uh, then, you know, and, and you couple it with rate cuts in uh, either late next year or the year after. 
then, hey, man, like, you know, uh, Katie barred the door. There's going to be a lot of people out there, uh, you know, thinking, hey, uh, FOMO's making a comeback. I got to get in now, uh, fear of missing out. So um, I think there's just great fundamentals long term still in the housing market, still not building enough uh, roofs for people to live under. Uh, and so I don't see much of that changing in the next uh, two, three years. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, if you look at, you know, where say an average mortgage payment is today versus when we were at the price peak back in, in February, and we've carved out about $200,000 in terms of, you know, the average selling price, uh, those payments, they're still a little bit higher now than where they were back then. But, you know, the, the price decline that we've seen has mitigated quite a bit of the impact of, of higher borrowing costs. And so if we're at similar levels, um, and, and you start to see a bit of a dip in borrowing costs, and we're accounting for this population growth, which right now has been funneling into the rental market. And we got a, you know, a, a very, very tight rental market with double digit rent growth. Um, you know, that's been our concern is that if we, you know, kind of take these, these sort of short term demand side impacts and, and, and take our eye off, you know, longer term supply issues, you know, we could be in a lot of trouble. Uh, as we move into, say, 2024 in terms of market tightness and, and affordability and what have you. Um, yeah, I think so, you're right. Yeah, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. I think you're right. And, you know, the, the, the factor a lot of people forget is that wages are going up, too. Uh, they're going up, you know, significantly, like I mentioned earlier, uh, for for many folks. Um, and so that offsets a lot of the loss in buying power. And like you said, the falling prices have largely offset um, the, and in some cases totally offset the, uh, increase in rates. So, uh, if you have prices, uh, you know, not going down and people see that prices are not going down, uh, and you don't have a, a major uptick in unemployment, which is such a critical factor for housing, uh, then I think we could see a rebound. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think you're right. It's going to be something really important to watch. There's some psychology to it as well when you're looking at, you know, average payments about the same as where we were in the in the in in the pre-rate hike period. Um, and so, yeah, it could turn around in a hurry. And if we don't have the supply to meet that uh, that demand, you know, we could get back into a situation, you know, that we we're seeing in 2020 and 2021. But, you know, I think we have time just for one more question. And it's just sort of, a, uh, uh, you know, whether you have a, a singular piece of advice that you could give someone who has a mortgage coming up for renewal in the next six months to a year, um, or, you know, if they're planning on making a purchase and are going to be in the market looking for a mortgage. I mean, you know, where should that person start? What's, what's sort of a good starting point for them in terms of, you know, preparing for, uh, um, you know, taking on say a higher rate mortgage or a different mortgage product or what have you. Yeah. And, you know, this question would be so much easier to answer if everyone is the same um, and borrowers are not the same, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, just general advice, I think no matter who, you, what kind of borrower you are, you want to uh, lock in a rate early if you can, um, you know, because we don't know. We, we think rates are going down uh, in, you know, the uh, first half of next year. Uh, bond. Let's talk about bond yields specifically because Bank Canada might uh, keep its overnight rate level for a while. But, um, you know, if we're looking at fixed rates, uh, then, it you know, the market expects fixed rates to drop next year. And so, uh, but what if it doesn't? Okay, it, it doesn't hurt you to get a rate hold and lock in just in case we get some surprises. So, you know, oil goes up to $130 a barrel. And like I said, everything changes overnight. Uh, so you got to protect yourself. You get no one can see the future clearly. So we got to uh, lock in a rate hold. Um, if you are 
uh, well qualified, then you know one or two year fixed might be suitable for you because again, you know the odds are, especially if you look back in history, these rate hike cycles, especially extreme ones, uh, don't last much more than a, a year or two. So, um, you know, looking to refinance at when rates come down, um, you know, if you're that in that, uh, if that's your plan, then a one or two year fixed is uh, you know appealing if you can uh, manage the risk and if you cannot handle. A lot more rate pain than you know other options are maybe a three-year fixed or longer uh or a hybrid mortgage you know part fixed part variable and then you can choose the the portion sizes of each depending on your risk tolerance uh, i would probably steer clear of a five-year fixed rate uh, unless you see them drop uh much closer to four percent um, if you get a, a fixed rate that's more than a year or two, make sure you look at a fair penalty lender because there's a chance you might want to refinance in a few years and you don't want to pay these crazy, you know, big bank uh, style uh, IRD penalties to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, last but not least, hey, let's all hope that uh, in the first quarter CPI uh, drops as expected. I think that makes a lot of sense. And look at it, I've really enjoyed today's discussion, you know, your your commentary on the mortgage market and the housing market. And I think, you know, that's great advice um, as well for, for people to take away. So thank you once again to today's guest, Rob McGlister, for sharing your insights into, into this complex topic. Thanks again. I was a pleasure, Jason. Thanks. And make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Trev's Ready to Real Estate podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you again next time. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B dot C-A to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in. 